Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. Guys, I am super excited about today's guest on the potty. She is a really incredible friend, an incredible team member, a colleague, an angel, and an absolute queen of all things business launch. I mean, actually, she's the most multifaceted woman that you will probably ever meet, but I'm so excited to introduce you to the beautiful Laura Vucic. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. It was so hard to introduce you because in the time that I've known you, which is what, maybe a bit over two years, yeah, probably a bit longer now, and you've done so many things. Like when I first met you, you were a VA and an OBM, and then you became a VA OBM coach, and then you became just like an OBM, and then you were basically stepping in and creating and launching people's courses for them. And now you've stepped straight into obviously business coaching within our mastermind because hello, multiple successful businesses. And now you're doing launches and teaching launches um, with a really cool podcast, guys, by the way, about launching and systems called uh, my favorite podcast name of all time called Up Your Back End, uh, which I love Laura, <laughs> so much because you have done so many things, but I feel like really now you've really stepped into what it was that you were put here to do. Totally. And, you know, I think... I'm the kind of person, and this goes through my whole life, like I've literally had a million jobs of everything in between. Like I've done MLM, I've worked at like adventure centers, like literally done everything. I think I did HR at one point, like I've done everything. And for me, that's how I learn. Like I learn by trial and error. And so that's the same as my business. And I think sometimes what I notice as well is we can get into the trap of being so scared to trial and error. And I personally think it's just the best way to learn. Yeah, I love it. And so for those listening who might not know you, which is crazy, because also go follow her immediately. Can you tell us a little bit about who is Laura and what does a day in your life look like? Sure. So, well, a day in the life. So I'm a mum to a three-year-old girl who has more attitude than anybody I know. I don't know where she got it from. No idea. No idea. Not me at all. Um, Anyone who's met Laura, if you haven't met Laura, you will come to understand that that is the joke. <laughs> 100%. And my mum's just loving life at the moment because she's like, this is just so much karma. But I will wake up depending on what the night has done. Like, you know, Previously, I will have woken up before her, but I'm starting to work a little bit later now. So I kind of just go with the flow in the morning, which has definitely been a really big change for me since having a child around, you know, morning routines and things like that. So kind of go with the flow in the morning, get up, get her ready. And then I will drop her to either she has a nanny. So she'll either go there or she goes to three-year-old kidney. So I do that in the morning and then my day kind of starts and I work, look, you know, I work around about four days a week, maybe five hours a day, depending what I feel like. I'm very much a person who can't just hustle. Like mm-hmm. it's, I don't have that in me. So I have to be very, very conscious of my energy and when I want to work. Um, so often I will work really late at night because for those of you that are in human design, not only am I a projector, but I am what they call dark light for my digestion. So I learn better at nighttime. So often I'll do a lot of work at nighttime and kind of just go with the flow and see where it goes. And somewhere in between there, I'll eat and I'll try and get to the gym and, you know, it all looks different, but I kind of like that. Yeah, I love it. And guys, like Laura and I off air always talking about human design. <laughs> and I think if you've been listening to my podcast, you will know that we love it. We're about it. And we are pretty much as opposite 
as two people can get in our design in our design types. And yet, you know what? Like this is where Laura and I always talk about, you know, within our PMP mastermind, guys, Laura is also a coach in our mastermind. We're so lucky. But this is what we always talk about. Like there's so many ways. And, and the things that Laura and I are going to discuss today on today's podcast around launching, around systems, around automations, like there is no right one way to do anything. It's just which ways suit you. And this is why we love human design so much because it gives you that insight into yourself to figure out, okay, maybe now I have a slightly better understanding of how I work best. Maybe now I can implement that to my work day and my workload. So that's why we love it so much. If you don't know enough about it, please go and look into it. But Laura, tell me, what did you make your first dollar as an entrepreneur? What did you do? Oh, shit. I think, well, I got my first job at literally. So here you can get your first job at 14 and nine months. And my dad made me write my resume at like 14 and like seven months and <laughs> took me around and made me get a job. Um, so I had my first job at 14 and nine months to the day. So I was working at a restaurant or like a cafe, but then the first time I really had to like, you know, that entrepreneurial side of things is um, I actually sold Nutramedics. <laughs> Do you know what? I love that. I think mine was, um, what was the, it was an Avon. There was another one that was like, oh, Arborn. Arborn, yes. <laughs> but there are so many. I love that. Nutramedics. Cool. Yes. And How I was... Well, I don't actually remember, but all I do remember was I would have been the youngest person in the like trainings by at least 30 years. Like how old were you? Well, I'm pretty common. I was still at school. So I would have been 17 and by far they would have been the youngest person. They would have been 40, like without a shadow of doubt. I used to travel to Claremont and I used to do everything. And like, then I would do parties to other 17 year olds to buy bloody Nutramedics. Like, was it successful? Kind of like looking back, I made some good cash. I didn't enjoy the whole, you know, setting up and all of that kind of stuff. So it didn't last long. But yeah, I did actually make some serious cash back then. I love that. I feel like everyone who had kind of that entrepreneurial spirit started out with a little bit of MLM, you know, like, and it was so easy. It was so easy to get started that way. You didn't have to do anything. No. All right. So you are the queen of all things systems, automation, and launching. And that is what, like, I mean, uh, like I said, I find it so hard to pigeonhole you into that one niche, but that is where your genius really starts to shine. And I want to dive straight into something that we hear all the time within PMP. And I think given that we have a lot of startup entrepreneurs listening to our podcast, I want to dive into the difference between systemizing your business and creating processes and procedures. And I just think there's definitions and terminology that really get overlaid a lot there that are potentially have very different meanings. One will really, really, really help set your business up like long-term and the other one is just like some time-saving hacks, right? And so I would love to know your opinion. What do you see the main difference between systems being like actual systems, apps and things like that versus systemizing your business, which is a completely different set of process? What would you, what would you say about that? So the word system itself has definitely kind of been utilized in many ways, especially in the online space. And so sometimes when you hear the word system, you will naturally go towards what I call an online tool or an online platform. And so they're your kind of things, you know, if you think about like, and you know, this is going to go straight into all of the tech things, but like your Kajabis and your active campaigns and your Calendly and all of that kind of stuff, that's your online tool. But sometimes people will call it a system, right? Whereas systemizing your business is the overarching ways in which all of the pieces of the puzzle kind of come together. So if you kind of visualize that, it almost looks like, you know, your hierarchy of like an org structure. 
it's the same kind of concept. We've got everything flows together and the systemizing of your business because processes is another thing, right? So the best way that I can explain this that I found is if you think about social media in your business, you might have multiple platforms. You might have Instagram, you might have your Facebook page, and maybe you've got a TikTok account. And if you think about a system, well, what's your social media system and how do all of those platforms connect? How do we make them all work? And then the processes are, how do I post on each platform? How do I repurpose my content on each platform? And so systemizing your business is, I personally think, one of the most important things you can do, especially if you plan to bring on a team to scale, to do any of those things, you need to have systems in place that tie everything together. Perfect explanation and simple. Thank you. I think what we hear a lot of people, tell me if you think this is true because like I see this a lot, especially startup entrepreneurs, they often think that they're just going to find this one magical tech system. There's one magical tool that is going to solve all of their problems. And that means that they're never going to have to lift a finger ever again. I think automation has been oversold. Oh, don't get me started, Steph. (laughs) Yeah. So look, we talk about this all the time inside of PNP and you have a niche, I have a niche, we have ideal clients. And there's a reason for that because when you become really specific, then you get to know the problem in more detail. And online tools are exactly the same. They have a niche and they're trying to solve a certain problem for you. What I find happens when a program or an online tool actually broadens, it loses the ability to have strong capacity in all areas. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing is you're actually getting something that's mediocre rather than getting something that is super specific to what you actually need. Mm, Yes, absolutely. And I think like for anyone listening, you know, yeah, of course we want you to put automations in your business. And of course that's going to help you get like more hands up. If you're sending every single email and you're finding that every single email that you're sending is the same email to different people, like please automate that shit for sure. But like there's no, there's not, there's not going to be some magical thing that's going to come in and do all of your work for you if that's what you're hoping for and expecting. And I think it's been massively oversold. And I think that the key here, Laura, and I, you were just saying it before, is like when we talk about systems, it's like if if you were to come into my business, which you have, there has to be a system for the way that we coach. There has to be like, okay, we hear a, a client has this problem and here are the five solutions that we would offer to this problem. And here's how we train you in those five solutions to make sure that you have the knowledge and the capacity to be able to share that information and, and fix that problem, right? So it's like, you know, that becomes then a process by which we can teach somebody or, or give somebody the tools to be able to run that for us so that it's not having to be me to run it. And I think that so often people are hiring because they have, you know, too much workload on their plate or because they have too many inquiries or because they didn't hire soon enough. And and But they don't have those things in place, which means that they're setting people up to fail, first of all. And second of all, they're kind of secretly wishing for this one special tech tool that's going to solve all their problems and maybe in hope that they're not ever going to have to hire that person in the first place. Oh, look, a hundred percent. And I hear this all the time. And, you know, just touching on that automation piece, your automations are not there to make decisions. They're there to just do a task. And so that's a really good way to help you identify if it should be automated or if it needs to have some sort of human interaction. And so anything that can absolutely is just a task and it happens all the time in a sequential order, automate that shit. (laughs) Like Mm. go and find a system and automate it, right? But when we are bringing in teams and you will need a team, like you can't automate everything. And more than that, do you really want to automate everything? Like, Mm. is that the business that you want? Because 
I love automation, right? Like I, if I can automate it, I will find a way to automate it. But <laughs> I don't ever let that remove the experience for my customers. Yeah. And that's what I find that some people are trying to do because they just want to remove the opportunity to have a workload. They're automating everything and then it's actually losing something in the back end and in the process of doing that. So pivoting into that, I guess, more of that launch model and that like you are the queen of automations, the queen of systems, the queen of launching. And I think all of those things flow so beautifully together because if you haven't launched yet, guys, (laughs) launching is a thing. It's a whole damn process. Like it has a whole, we call it a runway. It has so many steps to building out a successful, and I put that in inverted commas, launch. There are so many steps. There are so many things that you would like to have in place to be able to have a wonderful launch, right? And I would love for you to cover off and tell me a little bit about launching and I kind of like your philosophy, your methodology on launching, what you think, like, because I know that you teach this within your Launch with Ease course. Tell me about what a launch means to you and how you would define that process and that system for a startup. Okay, what a big question, but I love this. So when we talk about systems and then launching, a lot of the time, you know, and we hear this all the time again in PNP is like, what do I need to do every day? How do I show up? What am I doing? What am I putting my focus towards? And this is why you want to have systems because it helps you identify what you should be doing and what you should be focusing on. And so when you're launching, it's the same thing. And so for me, a launch has five parts or five sections, whatever you want to call them. What I like to do is differentiate these into we have two internal and three external phases. And so your first phase is your planning phase. Okay. Launching is a numbers game. Launching is a planning game. And if you don't plan and if you don't know your numbers, you are going to have unrealistic expectations at the end of it. And I hate when people do that because I hate seeing that disappointment. And then they go and think that they've failed and they create you know stories around what that means for them. And all that's happened is that you just haven't planned. Mm. So that's super critical. And that's the first phase that we want to move into. And then we have our three external phases, which is super fun names, your pre-pre-launch, your pre-launch, and then your launch. (laughs) So your pre-pre-launch is all about growing your audience, getting your audience to find you, getting them to like, you know, see who you are. And this really goes into the way I like to teach it, the know, like, and trust factor. Your pre-pre-launch is all about that know factor, getting people to know who you are and that you even exist. And that's where you have got things like your lead magnets and stuff like that. Uh, Then we move into your pre-launch. And so your pre-launch is all about starting the process to get people to understand what you actually do and how you can help them and giving them all the insights into that beautiful transformation that you help people achieve. Um, And then your launch, your launch is what we call open cart and it's just decision-making time. It's a time for you to help people make a decision if you're going to be the person to help them or not. And then the final stage is debrief and everybody misses this stage and you need to debrief your launches. You need to look at what worked, what didn't work and again, trial and error. So why do you think that people skip the debrief stage? <laughs> because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like looking at your finances. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want to do it. And I think especially when it hasn't necessarily gone to plan, I think looking at them makes you realize why. And it's so crazy because if you look at your numbers, like I've spoken to so many people that say they their launch didn't go to plan. And then I'll look at their numbers and I'm like, what do you mean? Based on your numbers, you actually had 90% success rate. Mm. But because you don't understand them or you don't know what you're looking at, it sets you up for unrealistic expectations. Yeah, totally. And 
talk to me about, because I just want to dive in a little bit deeper here. Yeah. I think that there's so much disappointment that comes with launch so often. Obviously, there's the opposite as well. Some people have freaking phenomenal launches, but then also often that leads to feeling like an imposter because I feel like with launching, it, it sometimes it can be that like, you know, it's, it's a bit of pill. So talk to me about how you personally, because you've done a lot of launches in your lifetime, mm-hmm. how have you separated or how have you tried to, because I don't know if, you know, if it's realistic to fully remove all ego and all hope and desire from your launch, but how do you personally separate that? Because I mean, we all know there's that icky middle period of every launch. Like I don't know a launch that hasn't had the icky middle. I have not, enc- I've not encountered one person, even people who have had $500,000 launches have had that four-day period in the middle where no one buys anything. <laughs> yeah, and but that's normal, right? And so I think if you know it's normal, it's just bias psychology. So if you know it's normal, I mean, it still feels uncomfortable, let me tell you. You've still got rocking in the corner moments. Like you're still doing all of those things. But knowing that you're not alone, knowing that it's normal definitely helps, I think. Yeah. So how do you separate? How do you not get disappointed? So knowing your numbers is key. And I've said this before, once you know your numbers, and what I mean by that is it's a numbers game because it's a conversion game, right? And your numbers will change depending on how warm your audience is. So the warmer your audience, the likelihood of your increase of conversions is going to go up, right? But if we just take base numbers and you work off base numbers, you will set yourself up with realistic expectations. And so to remove the first feeling of like, this didn't work, you need to do that. But then to detach yourself more, what I've found works really well for me is that I run a business and this is what the business needs. Mm. And so when I can detach from this is what I need, this is what I'm trying to achieve versus this is what the business needs and this is what the business is trying to achieve, it no longer makes it feel like it's about me. It was like, oh, cool, well, that was a tactic that we tried and that didn't work. And so the business is going to try something else next time. Kind of like a day job, right? Because if you were in your day job and your boss was like, go do this, you'd be like, okay, I'll go do it. <laughs> like if your boss was like, go post 10 times on social media or on our social media account, you'd be like, sure. A hundred percent. No worries. But then on your own account, you're like, I can't put that out. <laughs> oh my I can't God, I don't know what to write. One post. What am I going to say? Like, yeah. So that's really cool. That's actually a really cool. I've never heard of that. I love that tip. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, and it's the same for sh- showing up on social media, like detach it from yourself. This is not about you. It's what your business needs. And so going, okay, well, what does the business need today? AKA, what does my audience need today? it becomes so easy. You've mentioned numbers a few times. What are the base numbers? What should we be looking at? What should like? I know that there's like the fundamental basics, the general numbers. You want to talk us through what that looks like? Yeah, totally. So first things first, how much do you want to make? Like so many people don't even go in with that. So how much do you want to make and then work backwards? If you want to make that much and your program is X amount, how many people do you need inside? And then from there, we can work through the um, additional numbers, which are, you know, if you are doing a free event, which I highly recommend you do before you launch. You want to do some sort of free event, whether that is um, a masterclass, a challenge, a video series, a live launch, whatever it is, something. Then we want to understand, We again, all of this works backwards. So if we need this many people in our program, and let's just say we have a conversion of 10% of people showing up to our live event, then you will need X amount. But remember, not everybody shows up. So how many people do you actually need to get in in order to have that show rate in order to get that many people into your program? 
Mm. That's the basic numbers that you want to get. And then everything else around that is amazing data if you can get it. But they're the keys. In those numbers, what I've learned over the years is that it is different depending on industry as well. Like if you're selling business and, you know, let's say if I was selling a business masterclass and I was running a masterclass on how to make $100,000, you know, we might get a thousand people say they're going to come to the masterclass, which would also be a strategy that we would have to put in place, guys, to get that many people. But let's say we want to get a thousand people to our masterclass. We probably have 50% show up. Because, but if you're doing something like life coaching or trauma or things that fitness, B to C is much, much harder. And anything that forces people to look into a really uncomfortable mirror when there's no real, they can maybe see the benefit, but they're scared to look, mm-hmm. it's going to be much harder to get those show up rates. So you can't compare, like every industry has a different conversion rate and there are the kind of the baselines. That's why working with someone like Laura and, you know, who don't mind me saying is like so helpful because you can really get clear. One thing that you said at the very beginning was a lot of people don't know how much they want to make. And, and you're right. But I also think like they do because that's why they get disappointed. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> yes. But then they tell you that, nah, it doesn't matter. I'd just be happy to help one person. And then they're crying after their launch when they didn't hit the number that their subconscious actually had set for them. And this is where I think that disconnect between knowing what your business wants and knowing what you want mm. really helps because that number that you have in your mind, which everybody has, is the same as pricing something. Everyone has a number in their head that they want to price it at. If you can disconnect that, then it's so easy to, you know, help remove some of that disappointment. You'll still have some for sure, but it helps. Yeah. Babe, if you're in business and you're not seeing the success that you want, turn up the volume right now because I'm going to let you in on a little secret. So many times I see clients holding themselves back from the next level and achieving those dreams of five-figure months, working 20 hours and having leads flowing into their inbox with ease because they have stories, narratives and limiting beliefs that keep getting in their way. And I see it so clearly because I was exactly the same. I didn't believe that I could earn six figures, let alone seven, from doing what I loved. I didn't think I had the skills. I was worried about what people thought about me all the time and it was crippling. And there's always been this ever-present, deep-seated fear, what if I'm not good enough? And it held me back so often from my next levels of success and it caused so much pain along the way. If you feel awkward about showing up on sales calls, if you're worried that you're not good enough or qualified enough, if you get sucked into guilt and people-pleasing and you desperately want to believe that it gets to be easy and deep down you want to really believe that you know that it is possible, we have just launched Master Your Biz Mindset, which is an 18-module self-paced course that will help you get unstuck, get out of your own way and give you the no-fluff approach to master your mindset. And just for listening to this podcast, we're giving you a $200 discount if you use the code MINDSET200. So head to the links in the show notes below to master your mindset today. So with the launch process, like a lot of people get scared, terrified, worried, put it off, overthink it. Oh my God, the overthinking procrastination because it feels so big. I know that you teach something that a lot of people don't teach, which is it gets to be easy. And I'd love for you just to touch on that methodology because I know like you kind of have a process for launch, but I know your belief system is also like you do what works for you. So I'd love for you just to touch on that. Yeah, look, I think for me, I love that I can merge a strategy or a system together with human design or what really works for an individual's personality. And I think that the key here is knowing your audience is actually going to be the biggest impact. And I've definitely, I don't know if you've seen this, Steph, but I've definitely seen a change since the pandemic. And from the beginning of the pandemic to now, 
people want connection. They want community. They want engagement. They want authenticity. And when you aren't doing that and you're actually just doing a launch from a, I'm going to put this out there and I'm going to put a sales page and I'm just kind of going to hope that people really, really want what I've got. It's going to feel hard. It's going to feel uncomfortable and it's just not going to be easy for you. So if you can flip that and go, okay, well, if I want to create an audience here or an engaged community, what does that look like? Nine times out of 10, that actually looks like you doing the work to build relationships. And so how can that be easy for you? Because we all love to build relationships. Like who doesn't want to do that? Mm. So if you can put that as your focus, then everything else around launching can be easy. And one of the other things that makes launching, inverted commas, hard is the tech portion of it. But it doesn't have to be. It does not have to feel complicated. And so it's a reason why in my program, I give you literally like step-by-step, like press this button, do this, so that either you can do it or you can give it to a VA, but there's ways to work around things. And more than that, though, launching isn't hard because of all the things you have to do. Launching is hard because of the toll it takes on you. Mm. And so knowing that it really is actually about creating that community, creating engagement and building relationships, well, then what does that look like for you? Because, and this comes into your runway, if you don't have a warm audience, then you are probably going to have to have a longer runway because you are building new relationships. If you have a warm audience and you're doing it all the time, honestly, you can launch in like three days. I have so much that I want to dive into on that. I'm like, I was like just mentally making notes. I was like, oh my God, so many things to say. I think one of the things that we see people do too often is realize they need money, make the decision overnight that I need an online income or I need some sort of online system or online income. Yeah, some residual income. You know, they've worked themselves to the bone. They've got to the point where they're like, something needs to change. And then the next day they're like, I'm going to launch a program. And you're doing that again to service your own needs, which we are so down for because yes, girl, you do deserve to have residual income that doesn't need to be you working for it 100% but that also needs to be well thought out, well planned out and not a knee-jerk reaction because if you truly want that to be a very successful, incredible, consistent, supportive, impactful revenue stream, it needs to be well thought out and it needs to be thought out with your customer in mind. And I think that so often business owners, and I mean this with all the love in the world, I'm probably going to trigger some people today, that you just make it so much about you And you make it about, I need to hit my financial goal and I need to change the way that I'm working and people are getting the best of me. And so I need to create this online income because, you know, me, 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 me. And actually, like that's the reason why most of those online incomes and most online course launches, and Laura, I'm sure you agree, don't work, Mm -hmm. is because... You're making it about you. But if you position your customer as the forefront of the reason why, like if you go back into the reason you got into business in the first place, which hopefully for the people who are listening to our podcast, um, is because you wanted to help people and because you thought, if I could help people in this way and I could make this much money from it, how freaking cool would that be, right? If you want to get back into helping people, like help, like focus on being of help, of service, solving a problem, putting people at the beginning of your funnel, not putting people at the end of your funnel after they purchase. I'd love your thoughts on this. A hundred percent. This is actually, I think, the third module inside Launch With Ease because connecting to your purpose, I think sometimes not only do we forget, we feel a bit funny about saying it. And what I have identified and something that I got taught was that there's two levels to your purpose. And this might help some people here is if you think about your purpose, okay, I want to help this person become fit. Let's just use fitness as an example, right? Like I want them to come and have a healthy lifestyle. Well, that's great. What is the result if 10,000 people get that transformation? Because that right there, that's your purpose, right? So for me, 
Mine is all about helping people create time, freedom, and abundance, which is why I love launching. And so then what's the result if 10,000 people get time, freedom, and abundance? Well, they probably get to spend more time with their families. They get to have more opportunities in life. And like, then what does that do? And so connecting to that purpose really helps you bring everything together. And I think with launching and this residual income thing, I actually personally believe, yes, you can 100% have evergreen programs out there. Sure, right? It's not what I specialize in. Because for me, it's actually the way in which you run your business. Launching is a model of how you run your business. And so when you make that shift again, it becomes so much easier to launch and not be disappointed and not go, okay, shit, this program that I put out there is not bringing in my you know, $1,000 a week that I really hoped it would because it's just sitting on my website. And you've mentioned a couple of times like the psychology behind it, but people might not know about you is that you actually have a life coaching qualification as well. I do, which yeah. is crazy. I'm certified in NLP and something I never thought I would do, literally never. And it was such a quick decision to do that. Can I quickly tell the story? Like, of course. Please. Yeah. So we're part of a networking group, both of us here in Perth. And I got a newsletter, which I actually never read, but for some reason I read this newsletter and it was that there was this certification happening in two days. And something inside of me told me that I needed to go and do this. And I signed up and I joined that next week. It was seven days of full training, the most intense training I've done, like full, full, full days, really long hours, but it was the best. And of course, you go into those kind of things thinking you're going to be able to help other people, which you can, but you actually realize that there's so much shit for yourself first because we can't help others until, you know, we help ourselves. And NLP changed my life in more ways than I can ever express. The psychology behind NLP and how our subconscious works is something that actually at the time really annoyed me that we didn't don't teach this in schools. Like, what do you mean? But yeah, it's... It was one of the best things I ever did. Mm, and I think NLP, if you haven't done it, guys, Laura and I have done the same program. If you haven't done it or if you haven't heard about it, you need to go and look into it because really it's the way that we use language to elicit outcomes or especially in a coaching space. It's the way that you use language. It's the way that you position questions. It's the way that you ask questions to help someone have a realization that they weren't otherwise able to have because obviously our conscious mind runs regular thought loops. And in order to learn something new, we need to deviate from the thought loop. But sometimes it's really I'm hard to deviate from our own thought loops. And so NLP is basically a line of questioning that helps you to get out of the thought loop, tap into a subconscious part of your brain and, and get answers or get clarity that you couldn't otherwise see before. So it's an f- incredible process. And I think it's what allows you to be able to have these conversations with these clients as well and go, okay, cool. There's a difference between fear or a belief system holding you back or just procrastination and not knowing what's and and a lack of clarity, right? Because I think sometimes, and I think that we've moved into in society, this healing space at the moment. And we're all about it. Like Laura and I are here for the woo. We're here for the healing. We're here for people working on themselves and self-development, but you're not broken and there's nothing to fix. And we don't need to pry on that for people. I I feel there's a lot of prying on that at the moment in society. And I think that what makes you such a phenomenal coach is that you're able to really have that discernment between someone being scared and having a belief system that is literally holding them back and also just having a lack of clarity and just needing direction. Oh, 100%. And you know, do you know where I see this the most, which is actually kind of crazy, but when it comes to launching, how long people will leave their open cart open for always comes down to fear. 
Mm. And it's because they're like, well, this is the only opportunity I've got to get people inside and it's the only way to make money, which, just side note, so not the case in launching. But it comes from a place of fear. And so 100% NLP has really helped me identify where it is, those places of true fear and and coming from a place of just what your mind is telling you versus just not having a strategy or not being clear on what it is you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Laura, one of the things I love most about you, you probably were hoping this question wasn't going to come up. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things I love most about you is who you are. And I know that for you, the acceptance of that has been a journey. You are just so you, so genuine, so real. And it's the thing I love most about you is that you have strong opinions, you have strong belief systems, and you share them and you aren't scared to share them. But they can be polarizing at times. And I know that that's something that you've had to really work on and work through. And I think it comes from, I mean, I don't know, but someone who resonates so deeply with it is because I think as we were growing up, that you were probably one of the too much girls. And I don't know if that was true for you, but that was 100% true for me. And so I'd love to know like the work that you've been doing on this, because I know that even launching a podcast and, you know, it's a lot like to be on the mic and to be sharing your opinions and to know that I might say something and people might come down on me about this. I'd love to know how that journey's been for you? It's definitely something that I work through all the time. For those that have met me in person, my face speaks before my words do. <laughs> you should see Laura on team meetings. I'm like, that was not a good idea. Or <laughs> Laura does not approve. <laughs> I haven't even said anything, but... <laughs> So that has in itself been a struggle because I'm then trying to get my words to catch up. But more than that, I have done a lot of work in this. And for me, I was definitely too much. But what it actually stemmed from, I think, is that I was actually bullied in high school. And so I remember that was a lot in high school, being a girl. And there was so much that came with that. But I saw a counsellor, like the school counsellor, and she said to me, every time a bully says something to you, agree with them because then they have no comeback. Now, that's great advice, but that can go one of two ways because if you don't have a strong enough personality, you might start to believe those things if you're agreeing with them. And so I had to do a lot of work then to know that I could say these things and it wasn't my problem. Like it was back on them. That was what they needed and it was 100% to do with them and not to do with me. And so I think it stemmed from agreeing with people, but knowing it wasn't me. Like, I'm not even sure if that makes sense. You know what? I'm frustrated and I'm frustrated for you and for teen Laura, because like, maybe that's helpful advice, but I just see that as being so unhelpful. I mean, she was doing the best she could with what she had, of course, You're that counselor. Did that not just put you into people-pleasing 101? Uh, No, well, it's funny because I think it would have if I wasn't a person who already had strong opinions about who I was. Mm. So I think for me, it actually did achieve the right thing, but I don't believe, I don't actually agree with the advice now. Like I would never give that advice because I agree with you. It's going to put you into just doing what everybody, like people pleasing. Mm. But for me, it actually made me go, well, no, fuck you. (laughs) You can say whatever you want to say. And I'm still going to do this. And it's a big thing for me. And I still wouldn't say that I'm fully authentic when it comes to my full presence online. I do still get nervous sometimes. Like, and I do still not fully share what my thoughts are. And like the pandemic's a prime example of keeping some of those things closer to home than I necessarily would have shared. Don't get me wrong. My family knows all my opinions, right? Like, 
and my friends, but it is definitely a hard and polarizing thing and something that I still work on. But I encourage you, if you are somebody who has an opinion on something, now more than ever, people want to connect with that and they want somebody else that makes them feel like they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And so if you can stand up and share that and go outside of your comfort zone, because we know that's where the growth happens, know that I'll be right there with you. Like I will be doing the same thing. That's what I want for my daughter. More than anything, I want for Ivy to know that she can be safe in whatever her thoughts are, whatever her opinions are. And so I just have to start to demonstrate that. Oh, Laura. Oh my gosh. I could cry. That is so sweet. And again, the thing I love most about you, and the thing that I wouldn't change the most. And if anyone is, you know, I hope they're not watching this part of the video back, you'll see my eyes watering. But it is some, the thing I love most about you. It is the thing like if, I, you know, and we tell our clients, like if you need to be told exactly what to do and you're looking for someone who doesn't second guess and you're looking for a bit of a kick up the ass, like that's personally how I love to be coached. Like I want someone to tell me what the heck I need right. to do in short, fast periods of time. No fluff, no waffle, just give it to me straight. Laura's your woman. <laughs> like that is, she She and I, we are your woman. <laughs> um, and not every coach in PMP is like that. And it's designed that way because not everybody likes to be coached that way. And that's okay. But when you are looking for that person, we are right here with you. And Laura, like I'm with you on this. Like, you know, I still shy back from sharing opinions online sometimes. And there's still so much I want to say and I want to share. And, and to find your voice, I think, as an adult woman and, and being in the public eye. And I think people having a perceived vision of who you are or how you operate in the world, it can be really hard to kind of strip back the layers and figure out what that voice looks like and what it sounds like when for so long, for so many years, we've been conditioned to, you know, not say those things or just be the good girl or just play it safe or just make everybody happy. or And it's, it's really uncomfortable. And I personally love the fact that you are trailblazing this path for women like me, women like you, and so many women that are going to be listening today. So I thank you so much for that. What is one thing, one piece of advice to wrap us up today? I'd love to know one piece of advice for you. You could be connected back to implementing systems, launches, processes. If you were to give a startup, someone who's in the startup phase of business, one piece of advice right now, and it could be even about loving, like being yourself, what would you say after our conversation today? Trial and error. Don't be scared to try everything. You're in a testing phase and it's so much fun because you get to try everything. So if you do a post and it doesn't work, who gives a shit? Keep going. Try something else. If you do a Facebook ad and it doesn't work, who cares? Keep trying. Keep going. Try something else. And if you can, I know this is not the opportunity for everybody, but when I say, like, I was going to say go all in, I don't just mean like leave your job and go all in. I mean mentally go all in. Put everything that you've got and give it your all to know if it is or isn't going to be your thing. And also from somebody that has changed a million times, don't be afraid to change either. If it's not working for you, if it's not lighting you up, change. Mm. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah. I just had that conversation with one of my one-on-one clients this week and I was like, she was kind of on the fence about going all in. And I was like, honey, if you're not all in, then we may as well just pause coaching because you need to be. And that doesn't mean all in, like you have to quit your job and you have to put your mortgage on the line. <laughs> We're not talking none about <laughs> none of those things. We just mean energetically, it's this or it's nothing right now. There is no plan B. There's no plan, plan B. B. Like let's, yeah, it's plan A all the way. And if plan A doesn't work, then we will figure out a plan B later on. But like, that's the energy that you need to go into your business with is I'm not going to let other people hold me back. I'm not going to let myself hold me back. I'm going to give it 110%. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to try everything and not going to be scared of failure. And I love that. I don't know if anyone's seen the most recent Elon Musk documentary, but so good. It's on Netflix. But basically like 
you know, it says that like over the last, I don't know how many years, 10 years, something, they've failed 380 times at launching these rockets to only get one into space, you know, like, and every failure, he hit rock bottom, he had no money. And he let his teams were crying every failure because they felt like they were failures. And, you know, they just kept persisting. And the reason why is because their purpose is ahead of it all. They're not trying to do it to make Elon rich. They're not trying to do it to be world dominating. I mean, think what you like. My opinion is I love Elon, but he wants to change the world and he wants to leave his mark on this place before he leaves. And that purpose is there. And that is what drives them failure after failure. You know, it's not about you. It's not about him. It's about actually making it a systematic huge change in the world. And so if you start to view yourself like that, if you start to view your purpose, like Laura mentioned earlier, that connection to purpose, that deeper why, like, cool, if you could change 10,000 lives, how would that affect? Imagine if you had a million lives. What generational impact would that have? And so I love that. I love that piece of advice. Be all in and don't be scared to fail. Thank you so much, Laura. Guys, uh, Laura, where can people find you? Obviously, the Up Your Backend podcast. Obviously. Come and have a listen. But otherwise, I'm on Instagram, um, just at Laura Vucic underscore. And yeah, come have a chat. I'm kind of always in my DMs. Obviously, I have a three-year-old, so things go a bit crazy sometimes. But come on in. Come and have a chat with me and... Yeah, I think this podcast has made me realize this this interview. I'm I'm going to be a little bit more authentic. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> hey, let's all hold Laura accountable. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I love that. And guys, if you're planning on launching, if you want to know anything about systems or launching, please go and check out Laura's Launch with Ease program as well. Phenomenal. I know you have another program coming out that's going to be all about automations and like so sexy. Let's automate as much as we can because we don't want to be doing manual stuff as much as we, as you know we can. But thank you for your generous knowledge today and your time. It was so beautiful to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. My personal mission is to help women just like you to grow their business and give you the advice and insights you need to make your business go boom. And as part of my commitment to that mission, I have created a mini course called the Boom Your Biz mini course, and I want to offer it to you completely for free. So in this three-part mini course, you're going to learn how to identify and attract the perfect clients that you actually love to work with. You'll learn an easy and effective way to build your core offer and increase the amount of people that actually take you up on that offer and how to generate endless high quality leads absolutely free. Included in this free mini course is exclusive training. I give you templates and processes that you can follow and implement in your business right now to start seeing results straight away. The value of this mini course, guys, is $497, but I'm giving it to you completely for free. So if you're ready to level up and take action, use the link in my show notes to download this mini course. I'll see you next episode.